0: All right, well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. I hope that you're excited to be here as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation chapter two. So over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of started in this series where we're looking at uh, the letters that Jesus uh, presented through the Apostle John to the churches. And we started looking at those letters. Uh, and uh, those letters for that, those specific people during the, that specific time and saying, okay, God, what would you say to your church today? What, what is it that you have for us in all of this? And so uh, we started looking at this first letter uh, to uh, the church in Ephesus, and uh, the past couple weeks, we've been looking at that. Uh, when Pastor Mark, uh, uh, when, when we told him that he should go away, <laughs> nicely, um, Uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, can I continue with this first letter? Um, I don't want to uh, beat a dead horse or or just continue to go through the same things over and over again, so I hope that this isn't too repetitive for you, but Um, I asked him if it was okay if I spent one more week talking about the rebuke that Jesus gave to the church in Ephesus. Pastor Mark kind of started talking to us about it last week, but it's just been on my heart so much. And so so that's what I want to go over with you today. And so let's take a look at it uh revelations chapter 2 starting here in verse 1 we'll read through it one more time together and then we'll we'll talk about it so he says uh, to the angel of the church in ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands i know your works your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil Yet this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's take a moment, let's pray together. Dear only Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you so much, specifically for this revelation that you gave John and, and that you presented to your people and, and have preserved over time for us to hear and to, to receive today. And so we ask, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and Lord, that you would reveal your word to us in a fresh way. God, that, um, Lord, that our hearts would be open to what it is that you have to say to us. We thank you for that, Lord. And we just submit this time before you, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So, so Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus through uh, the Apostle John, and, and he says He says to them, hey, you know what? I'm really proud of you guys. And and I could just imagine, right? Like if you're in the church of Ephesus, you're feeling kind of good about yourself, right? Because he's saying, man, you guys are doing a great job. I mean, you've got this going on, you've got that going on. And Pastor Mark, a couple weeks ago, he talked about, he really gives like this really awesome checklist of everything they are doing right, you know? And so it's like, if you're in that church, you're like, Yeah, what's up, you know? (laughs) Like, you're feeling good. And he's going through all of it, but then all of a sudden, things change. And the title of my uh, message this morning is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Because the reality of it is, is here they are, and they're doing, like, man, things that we would hope Jesus would would say you're doing good in our lives and in our church. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these are, man, they, they, they are not small things. They're big things, right? They're, they're, they're really good things. And so we would all want that. And I'm, I'm looking at this and, and, you know, he's like, yeah, and you're doing good at this and this and this. And it, I mean, there, there's quite a few there. And, and I'm thinking, man, you know, he's got all of these great things th- that they're doing, but he says, but I got this one problem. Well, you know, no one wants to hear that, you know, you're you're kind of, your stomach gets a bit of a knot, you know, and Jesus says, I got this one problem with you, right? But still, it's like, only one, right? Like, dude, if Jesus only has got one problem with me, like, I'm doing good, right? Like, like, if he's saying you're doing good everywhere else, just one problem, it's like, okay, you know, like five, you know, one out of five, that's not bad, you know, like, that's pretty good, especially you know for my standards right so so you know i would imagine you know here you here they are and this is totally just trevor's imagination right so this is not like biblical exegesis of the scriptures it's just trevor right so you just take that for what it is but here he is he's saying hey you're doing great at all this stuff but i have this against you you've abandoned your first love and it's like okay yeah that's a bummer right like, yeah, we, we should probably be more loving. But I mean, come on, what's love got to do with it anyways? I mean, we're still doing all of those things. Like, we're still doing the stuff. We're still doing all of the things. I mean, we could be doing it more lovingly, but still, at least we're doing it, right? Like, we're actually, we're, we are doing it, though. So what's, what's the big deal? I mean, what's, what's love got to do with it anyways? But man, the rebuke that Jesus gives them, right? Like, it's not like, okay, yeah. You could be more loving, but good job. You're doing great. All right, you need to be a little bit more loving, but you know what? It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. No, no. That's not what Jesus says. He's like, man, I've got this one thing against you that you have abandoned the love you have at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So the, re- the rebuke is pretty hardcore. Jesus, so Jesus is like, hey, hey, it's not like, okay, you're doing a lot of really good things, you could be a little bit better in this area, don't worry about it, I'm proud of you. No, no, it's like, hey, if you don't fix this, I'm taking you out. That's how big of a deal this one thing is. He's like, he's like I don't really care about all of the other things you're getting right, if you don't fix this one thing, I'm done with you, I'm closing the church, you're done. And that's like, Oh, yeah, maybe we should pay attention to this. It sounds like a big deal. And so I want to take a moment and, and, and go through some of this with you because I, I see three different things that Jesus shows them here. And the first thing that he does is he, said, he, he questions their motives. And so what we have to realize, church, that, that something that's very important for us to do is to question our motivation. See, it's one thing to do things, but it's another thing to do them for the right reason. Does that make sense? And so, and so Jesus, it, it comes to the church in Ephesus, and he's like, hey, it's great that you're doing all of these good things, but you're not doing them for the right reason. And, and so motivation is very, very important. Why do we do what we do? And so I'd ask you, church, to ask that question with me today. Why do I do what I do? I mean, just think about that for a moment. On a daily basis, uh, throughout the week, on everything that you do, why do you do the things that you do? Why? I don't know about you, but when I ask myself that question, I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) This is what we do, right? But, But Jesus said, no, but you need to know why you do what you do. Why? Because the why matters, you see, we can, we can look to the things that we do and say, "I feel." Really, look at all of the things I do. And Jesus is saying, why? And you're like, don't worry about why, just look at what I'm doing. And he's like, no, 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 I care about the why. The why matters, the why is everything. And so let us ask ourselves the question, uh, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we go to work every day? Why do we pay our bills? Why do we go to church? Why do we serve? Why do we treat our, our, our family and our friends the way we treat them? Why do we study the scriptures? Why do we pray? Why do we do anything that we do? And we might say, well, I don't know. Why? See, Jesus is going to the church in Ephesus and he's saying, okay, you're doing all of these things. I recognize that you're doing these things. These things are good things, but why are you doing them? And you need to ask yourself, why do we do what we do? Because those things are good but my fear is that we have a tendency to do all of the right things for all of the wrong reasons. And yes, we're doing the right things. But when you're not doing the right thing with the right reason, for the right motivation, can I tell you, they kind of start to cancel each other out a little bit, don't they? Now We know that to be true. We can see that just in the way life works, but we still do it. <laughs> Right? We, 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 we don't worry so much about our motivation. We're just like, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do what I, I know I have to do. And, and so for an example, like for me as a guy, I think it's really easy for me to get caught up in this. And so I can, I can go to work every day and I can provide for my family and I can do the things that God says I should do as a man and I can say, well, I'm doing the things but I can forget why I'm doing those things. And I'm really guilty of this, and we see this a lot, like just in marriages and things like that, where, where a couple will come in, and, and, and you'll talk to the husband, how are things going? Man, everything's great. Man, we are awesome. Everything could, nothing could be better. And then you talk to the wife, well, how are things going? Uh, I'm miserable. He doesn't love me. Uh, I, 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 everything's terrible. And the guy's like, what? How could you say that? You know? And the guy's like, what? and she's like, I just don't feel like you love me. And he's like, What? You, how could you say? It? I go to work every day to a job I hate because I love you, right? And and I do all of these things because I love you. And and the wife's like, Okay, well, yeah, but I, I I'm not seeing that. I, I'm not feeling that. Why? Because there is a big difference between doing the right thing and doing it for the right reason. And I think I have a tendency as a guy to do things oftentimes out of duty. Right? Like, like, I like duty. Not duty. Like, like, you know what I'm saying. Right? Like call of duty. Right? Like, like, the, like duty, you know? Manliness, right? Like, I, I like doing things because this is my call. This is my job. You know, I'm a man. And, and, and I think it's easy for us as men to get into this, this trap or this cycle where we're doing it out of duty because this is what I'm expect. This is what's expected of me. This is what I do. This is who I am. And we, we can do those things and they're good things, but we forget why. And I'll let you know on a secret, husbands, your wife isn't interested in your duty, <laughs> she's interested in, in your love. So I, I'll, I'll do this. Um, I'll do this at home, right? Where um, every week, you know, we, we, we host a life group just like many of you do. And so every Sunday afternoon, uh, we go through a bit of a routine, right? And so every Sunday around four o'clock, Lauren will will, will come and I'll be sitting in uh, my recliner praying, okay, watching YouTube. And, um, <laughs> and she'll come and she'll say, okay, well, it's, time, it's time to get ready for life group. And, and, I'll, and my response is always, Oh, again? <laughs> Why do people keep coming over here? I don't understand. <laughs> and uh um, and she'll come and she's like, "Okay," and I'm like, "All right," you know, and and I'll get up and I'll be like oh. And then she'll she'll ask me, "Okay, could you could you help me with some things?" Fine. Kind of busy, but whatever. And she'll say, "You know, could you could you could you, you know, pick up the basement? Could you vacuum? Could you help with the, with the dishes? And, and so I respond in a way which I think is hilarious. But she doesn't think it's funny. But I think marriage often is like two people who love each other and are really good at annoying each other, right? I'm really good at it. And so she'll ask me, and and I, I, I think this is, I just think it's the funniest thing. It's probably not that funny, but I think it's, it's funny. And so she'll ask me, she'll, can you do this? Can you do that? And, and I'll just go, sir, yes, sir. And I stand at attention and I pretend she's my drill sergeant. You guys don't think that's funny? I think it's funny. She gets so angry. And there's been many times where I've done that, you know, jokingly, just, you know, just joking around you know and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes a little and I'm like what just happened and she gets she gets mad at me and I'm just like man what's the big deal oh why you get so mad at me I'm gonna do it I'm doing everything you asked me to do so what if I salute you while I'm doing it right but she doesn't like that. She doesn't like it because she can see that my motives are a sense of duty. I'm treating her like she's my drill instructor where she wants me to do it because I love her. And there's a big difference because there's times, I'm not very good at this, but I'm trying to be better. There's times where I'll come home and I'm tired and it's been a long day and she's tired and it's been a long day for her. And and, and so I'll come home and I'll just start Picking up the house, and I'll just start doing the dishes, and I'm not saluting her, or I'm not grumbling, or going, Ugh, "What'd you do all day?" You know. No, I just start doing it, and I and I start whistling a tune or being happy. And can I tell you, man? When I do that, man, I she loves me. <laughs> Man, like that is like one of the keys to her heart when I do it and I do it just because, why? Because my motive is love beginning, I can see I just want to bless you. That's all. That My only intention is just to bless you, not to do anything else, not to push your buttons or to mess with you, but to bless you. And when I do that, she feels love. The difference is the motivation. I did dishes in both scenarios. One, she was happy with it. One, she wasn't. The difference was my heart. The difference was the reason why I did it. And so church, God's desire for us is for us to question why we do what we do motivation matters and you know our our brains man our brains are an amazing thing well at least for most of us right maybe not teenagers but but for most of us like i'm kidding sort of our brains are amazing because our brains can do i'm still a teenager okay i'm still a teenager our brains can do amazing things because, and, and, and so it's interesting, like if you think about all of the things your brain has to do, like all the information, and, and what's, what's amazing to me is our brains can do a lot of that stuff without us even like telling it to, Right? Like our brain can just, it has this ability just to go on like autopilot and it, and it just knows what to do in different situations or circumstances without us even having to tell it or to really think about it or to give it a lot of, uh, you know, uh, processing power or whatever, right? Like it just, it can just do it. But this will happen to me sometimes. So my brain will just sometimes take over and start doing things and, and I don't know why I'm doing it, right? Has this ever happened to you? Like you walk into a room and all of a sudden you're like, why am I here, right, like, I mean, like, you have a moment, like, your brain took your body into this room, but you don't know why it did that, and that'll happen to me, because there'll be, like, moments where I, like, walk into a room, and I'm, like, well, why am I here, and I, I, I like, literally, like, there's, like, an b- empty space in my head, I'm, like, I don't know, you know, and so I'll look around, this, this is usually what happens to me, like I'll look around and after a few seconds I'll see something and it will kind of reboot the system, right? Like, like until then it's just buffering, right? But then I'll, but then I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, okay, connection's back and, and we're, we're, we're going again. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I came to get this, right? There was, one, that, there was this one time like a few weeks ago, I walk into the bedroom and that happened to me. I walk in and I'm just like, why am I here, you know? And then you ask your spouse, isn't that funny? You're like, why, L- Lauren, why am I in here? She's like, "What would I know, you know? Like, I'm like, huh, why am I? At-? And so I'm like, I look, I'm like, I have no idea why I walked in here. And so I'm like looking around, looking for something to like reboot, reboot the system, right? Like something to jog my memory and there's nothing. And that's really, like, it's already scary when that happens. But then when it's like, but like when you can't get out of that spot, then it's really scary, you know? And so I'm just like, no, wait, nothing is processing. Like, like, I'm like looking around. I'm like walking around the room. I'm like, I surely I came here for something, right? I'm not totally crazy. I don't think yet. I don't know. And so I'm like looking around, like, and there's nothing. And after several minutes, like, like I was, it was so frustrating. I just walked out defeated. I was just like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't know why I did that. And I was just going to go stare at the wall for a few hours. Like, my life is meaningless now. I don't know what I'm doing. And it wasn't until like hours later, right? Like, like later that evening and we're like watching a movie or something and then all of a sudden, bam, like it hits me and I'm just like, oh yeah, I was gonna clean the closet, you know? <laughs> and was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, well, it's too late now, I don't know. <laughs> but our brains do that. Like our brains will just, they'll just take over and we'll do things and not know why we do them. This happens to me, which is really scary when I'm driving, right? Does it ever happen to you when you're driving and like you'll drive somewhere? And then you like think, I don't remember driving here. That's terrifying. It's terrifying and it's amazing. Like your brain did that. You know what I mean? Like you're like, you you have no recollection re- recollection, whatever that word, you don't remember, you have no re- memory of that happening, but your brain's like, Don't worry, I got this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got you. And that'll happen to me and I'll, like be, and I'll like go and I'll like go to go to the, the grocery store. And I hate going to the grocery store so I don't go there very often so my brain doesn't typically think we should go to the grocery store. And so I, I, I remember there's been times where I, I was going to the grocery store and then I kind of just zoned out, was daydreaming, got a phone call, something happened and so brain just went into autopilot, right? And so, I, I, and so you know, uh, the, here I am, I'm doing my thing, I'm, I'm daydreaming or whatever and all of a sudden I snap out of it and I'm at Home Depot. I'm in the Home Depot parking lot. And I didn't need to go to Home Depot. I'm just there, you know. I needed to get eggs, but I'm where power tools are. I don't understand. Okay, God, I'll, whatever, I'll buy something, you know, if that's what you want. I don't know. I guess that's... I mean, I mean like, like, like all the information your brain has to process while you're driving, and like, it does that without you even thinking about it, you know. And my brain will just, like, go to Home Depot, man, like... A... Sir, yes, sir, all right. But uh, we do that. We have a tendency to do things and not know why we're doing it. Even if they're good things. We have a tendency to do things that are good, and yet we don't know why we're doing them. We have a tendency to just drop into this autopilot mode and we're doing things and, 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 God, and Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus and I believe he's saying to you and I today, hey, you need to question your motive. You need to ask yourself, why do you do what you do? Why are you doing it? Don't just go into autopilot. So Jesus, he, he rebukes the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23 for something very similar. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You see, the Pharisees are coming before Jesus and like, Jesus, like, like give us the thing that we can do, right? Like, like, like just give us, tell us what, what's, uh, make it simple for us because we're really good. We want to do all the things, you know, we're really good at doing all of the things. And Jesus is like, listen, it's not about doing the things. It's not about doing a specific thing. It's about the reason why you're doing it. You're, you're so focused on the physical thing that you forgot about the spiritual thing, the more abstract thing. And he's saying, listen, yeah, you've done all of those things and you should have done it, but you should have done it without neglecting the more important things. He's saying, hey, you're doing good, but you're doing good for the wrong reason. And so It's worthless. So he's saying to you and to me, hey, do those things. Do the things, right? Do all of those things. Do all of those good things, but do them for the right reason. And the reason is love. The reason is love. He says to the church in Ephesus, hey, you're doing all of these great things, and they're good things, but you're not doing it from a foundation, from a motivation of love. Therefore, I'm going to shut you down. Why? Because even though when you do the things, but you do them apart from love, the things are no longer helpful things. In fact, in many cases, they become really bad things. They become destructive and hurtful. And so our, our goal should be what it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. So that's your, that's your motivation. So the Christian, why does the Christian do anything? Because of love. Why do I go to work every day? Because of love. Why, man? Why do I mow my lawn? Because of love. Why do I fold the laundry for love? Why do I do? Why do I? Why do I deal with my kids or my spouse? Why do I deal with any of these things for love? Why do I go to the church? Why do I? Why do I worship? Why do I pray? Why do I serve? It should be because of love, not because this is just what we do. Not because this is what I was raised on. Not, not because, you know, this is what's expected. Not because of a duty that I have. No, it's because of love. And when we do it out of love, man, we might do the same things, but the results are different. Right? Let all that you do be done in love. Matthew twenty two thirty six. 36, again, the uh, religious people are talking to Jesus. And, and they say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Right, like, like, give us the thing. Tell us the thing that we can do. What is the, what is the, what's the thing? What's the greatest commandment? And he said to them, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the the the, the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets." So what Jesus is saying to the religious people, and and come on guys, we can be really religious and we're like, just tell me the things I can do and give me the list that I can check off. I can pat myself on the back. I can feel good about it. What's love got to do with it anyways, right? And, and and, And so they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what's the greatest things? Give us the checklist. And Jesus says, listen, no, no, you've missed the point. Listen, you want to know the greatest thing? Love God with everything that you have and all that you are. Love him. No checklist there. Just love God, right? Just love God. And then the next thing, see, as a result of you loving God, what would happen naturally is then you'll start to love people too. So you want to know the greatest commandment? Love God and love others. He says everything is built on this principle everything. He's saying, so all the things, your checklist that you're super into, listen, it's worth, it was founded on love. It was based on love. It was built on love. And you've taken away the foundation, and now it's all falling down. It's worthless now. Yeah, you still got all of the things, but you don't have love. Return to love. Go back to love. And he says that to the church in Ephesus because The second thing that I see here is not only does he question their motives and call them to question their motives, but he calls out their motive. He says, You've left love behind. So, regardless of what their motive is, he said, It ain't love. It ain't what it should be. You've left love behind. And in verse 4, he says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So, they had love. It wasn't like they never had it. It wasn't like they were always just automatically doing like these good things. No, no, no. Those good things came from love. And that's where it gets confusing for us, I think, because we'll do things and we did them we used to do them for love. And we're still doing the things that we did for love. We just we left love behind. And we had love. Love was the original instigator. Love was was what we first had, but it was like he says you've abandoned it. So it wasn't like it's not like hey, you fell out of love right? It's not like, oh, you, love, you just lost that loving feeling, you know? Like, no, 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 you made a choice here in this. You had it, you set it down, and you walked away from it. Now, I don't think they did that on purpose. They didn't wake up one day and say, hey, guys, I think this love stuff's for the birds, man. Let's just, let's forget this, right? Probably not. No, what happened was there was this, this like slow fade, where they started with love, and they're like, man, we love God so much, and because we love God, we can't help but love these people, so man, let's do all of these things as a result, and, 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 then, and then so love began to produce these works in their life. Love began to produce these things in their life, and as love began to produce it, they, they started to focus on the things that love was producing, and they kind of just left love behind, and so we can do all of the right things and for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it started with love, but but they left love behind. And church, I I feel like we have a tendency to do the exact same thing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, it probably started with love. But have you left love behind? Is that still the motive? Is that still the thing that's pushing you and driving you? Is it because of love or has it become your duty now? And there's a big difference. And, And see, we will, and and let me just tell you, you're gonna leave love behind. It's going to happen. And and you're going to leave love behind because it is not the natural condition of your heart to just automatically love. You see, we've kind of messed love up in our culture and we think, hey, I'll love you and love looks like you loving me me and I'll love you back and as long as we both love each other, then I love you. But as soon as you stop loving me, as soon as you stop giving to me, man, I'm done with you, I no longer love you. That's not love. That's like a contract, right? Like That's like, you, you, know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That has nothing to do with love. That's not biblical love. No, God, God loved us despite our sin. He, he, he loved us while we were his enemies. That's when he loved us, right? And so, and so our natural condition isn't just to love. Our natural condition is to be very selfish. And that's just, that's just the natural state of it. We just have a tendency, our default mode is to look out for me. And, and, and I like this, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, which is cool because Timothy was the pastor for a long time uh, of the church in Ephesus. Paul raised him up to shepherd that flock there. And, and so going back to Ephesus, and he says this to Timothy, the pastor in Ephesus. He says, he says for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. How would you like to get that letter from, you know, your mentor? hey, oh, I'm training you up to be a pastor. Let me tell you something about the people you're going to be pastoring. They suck. <laughs> right? Like, think about the most miserable people you could ever encounter in your life. That's your flock, love them good, right? It's like, huh? Oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Can I, can I, like, uh, can I switch jobs here? And he says, no, and, and he's saying this, why? Because, because hey, Timothy, that, that's, that's just the reality of it. That's just the way people are. And here's the thing, your job as their shepherd is that even even if they come into the church and even if they experience the love of God, their desire is going to go back to themselves and they're going to fade away from the things of God and they're gonna wanna fade into the things of the world. Your job as their shepherd is to take your shepherd's hook and to grab them by the neck and pull them back into love. And then those dumb sheep are gonna go back out towards the wolves again and you grab them and you pull them back into love. And we are the sheep. And so the reality of it is, is our heart's tendency is to veer from love. And so we have to recognize that. The reality of it is, is we've abandoned love. We've left love behind and we will leave love behind. It is something that we will have to continue to contend with while we're on this earth. And so Proverbs 3, verse 3 says this, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So he's saying, hey, listen, uh, since your tendency is gonna be to be selfish and to be like kind of a terrible person, so, so l- man, be intentional about love. In fact, he says, man, tie love around your neck, etch it into your heart because it will leave you, you'll leave it behind if you don't intentionally grab onto love. And so church, the reality is we have to be intentional about love. Otherwise, we will leave love behind. We won't necessarily mean to, we won't necessarily make a conscious decision to, but we'll do it. Our hearts are prone to wander. So, man, scratch love into your heart. Tie it around your neck. So, uh, so he calls them to check their motives. He calls them out on um, abandoning love. And then thirdly, he calls them to return to love, to come back. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so so in the last part of this, Jesus says, okay, now, now come back to love. And he gives us three ways in this scripture of how we can return to love. And the first is to remember. He says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. You see, because the reality of it is, for you and for me, that it's probably much like the church in Ephesus. We probably started in love. It, it, It probably all started because of love. When we're talking and thinking about our relationship with Christ and our salvation, it starts with love. He says, remember where you have fallen. Do you remember? what God did in your life, and that's why you do what you do today? Do you remember? Do you remember the encountering of God's love for you? Do you remember that while you were still his enemy, when you were hating God, he was reaching out with love towards you? Do you remember that? You see, I think we get kind of desensitized to the reality that God loves me. We hear it our whole lives. You hear it growing up, especially in church, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Like we, we know Jesus loves us so much to the point where we don't ever really stop and think what that means. But the reality of it is, is the fact that God, when I think about that, when I think of that, how, I don't get it. I'm like, God, I don't, how could you love me? I don't, I, I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. And even when I think I'm doing good, I screw everything up, right? Like, like how do you, how do you, how? Man, God loves us despite our junk. He loves us in our junk. He loves us while we're his enemies, while we're rebelling against him, while we're hating him. He's loving us. And so when we remember where we have fallen, we remember what he says in 1 John chapter four. He says this in verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Listen to this. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Later in that same chapter, he says it again. He says, we love God or we love because he first loved us. So understand, it has nothing to do with you going, oh, I'm loving. You can't do that. No, you can be selfish, right? You can be the list that we read earlier. You and I could be that. But it's not like you know, because we can mistake this and go like, well, we just got to love each other. I, I can't. My heart is so screwed up. I can't. And so the only reason why I have any access to love at all is because he loved me. And so if I love him, it's because he loved me first. And if I love you, man, it's not because I'm good and it's not because you're good. Man, it's because he's good and he loved me first. Right, He it's, 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 it says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom, he has, uh, whom uh, he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The only way we have any access to love is that God loved us. So what do you need to remember? You need to remember that God loves you you need to remember that the only reason why you have anything in this life is because God loves you. And let that love drive you to love. Let that love bring you to love. Listen, God didn't do anything out of a sense of duty for us. He did it out out of a love for us. So he says, remember. After we remember God's love for us, we can repent and we need to repent for le- leaving love behind because love is where it all started. And then in Romans chapter seven, I love this. Uh, the apostle Paul writes this famous scripture and he, and he says in verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. Amen. That's, oh my gosh. I never understand. Why, why am I doing this? I, I do not understand my own actions. For I do, uh, for I do not do what I want And, and, and we need to go to him into repentance because that old man keeps wanting to come back. And so I've got to go to him in repentance and saying, I don't know why, God, my stupid heart, it, it's prone to wander and wants to veer from you. So I repent and I return to love. I remember, I repent. And then lastly, I return and worship team, you guys can prepare yourselves. He says, return. So remember that he loved you first. And when, and when you remember, you'll want to um, repent. And then lastly, return. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. Return. He's saying to you and I, return. Come back to me. And, and so uh, it says in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I like read that and thought like, it, it sounded kind of harsh. Like, if you love me, do what I say, right? But that's not really what he's saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. if you love me, you won't be able to help but do what I say. Why? Because your motive is love, right? The other one is duty. It's religion. It's like, sir, yes, sir, whatever you say, please don't hurt me, Right? But, but no, no, no. If, if we are motive, returned to this place of love, man, God, I want to do things for you. I, I want to, and it's a joy and it and brings happiness to me. Why? Because I love you. And I love you because, man, you love me. And so we'll do the things and we'll, but we'll do them for the right reasons. We'll do them from a, a position of Love. A few weeks ago, I was uh, I was meeting with Pastor Mark, and um, um, he corrected me on some things, which is very normal. (laughs) This time he wasn't yelling, so that was good. Just kidding, he never yells. Anyways, um, he was saying, "You know, Trevor, the thing about you is that when you get discouraged." you just walk around in discouragement. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, figure that one out, huh? And, and it's like, I'm sitting there thinking like, what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> Discouragement's discouraging, right? And he's like, you have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I struggle with that because I'm like, I'm not encouraged. <laughs> but he says, but, but that's the thing. Whenever I get really worried, whenever something happens that discourages you, I know you're just, it's going to affect everything. That you're just going to walk around like a big bum. Like just, you're going to be discouraged. And so you have got to figure that out. You gotta, you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying. How do I do that? He says, I don't know. You got to figure that out. <laughs> Wait a second. He says, you need to figure that out. You need to figure out how to encourage yourself in the Lord because you're going to deal with discouraging things. It's going to happen. You can't just stop that. So what you have to do is in the midst of the discouragement, you have to find encouragement. And you should be able to find that in God because he is your Lord. He is your King, right? And so just because your situation stinks, he's still good, right? So it's like, okay. So the next morning, i just, I'm praying and I'm just thinking about all of these things. And I'm just praying and, and I'm just like, okay, God, help me to be encouraged. In you. And I just say, oh, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And so I'm just like, God, whatever, like, and, and I just begin to be specific about some things that I think might be discouraging because I don't even really know myself, you know. And so I'm like, okay, God, help me not to worry about this. Help me not to get upset about that. And I just give you, there's know, just a couple of little things and it wasn't magical, it wasn't like anything. It was just me going kind of like, God, help me just to, to lay it at your feet. And I was back in the, in the man cave in the backyard and I come out and I, I walk into the house that morning afterwards. And as I'm walking into the house, it was like it was like all of a sudden this weight was just lifted off my shoulders. And I, I really like didn't understand and I just walk into the house and the weirdest thing happened. I was happy. And I was like, oh, hi, I haven't seen you for a while. I, and I didn't even realize it, but like I just walked in the house and I just started feeling like this joy inside of me and I was just happy and, and, and Lauren and the boys are awake and we, we start doing a breakfast and they all kind of look at me and they're like, what's, who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Right and, 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 and it was amazing. And man, it kind of, honestly, like as I think about it, it makes me angry because I didn't even realize the impact my discouragement was having on everybody around me. I'm like, holy cow, I didn't realize I had that kind of power, which is stupid, right? Like, we should know that, but we don't. We get so focused on the things, and we get so focused on just carrying out our duty that we forget that the reason why we do it actually matters to the people around us. Especially God. And so it was like, all of a the sudden, there was this joy that I hadn't, like, I'd forgotten all about. Like, that's a part of being a Christian is joy. I forgot that. Holy cow. And it was like this weight was lifted off. And, 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 and man, I felt so dumb. Here I am. I'm 35 years old. I'm a pastor. And, and I was like, man, I, you, are you telling me I can go to God in prayer and I can lay my burdens down at his feet? Why did anybody ever tell me that before? and they have i knew that right i i I knew i hey hey come to me all who are weary and heavy laden i will give you rest right why for my burdens are easy and my yoke is light i know that scripture i'll tell people coming to the office i'm like bro you got to give it to jesus and then i go home i'm like why is everything so heavy and he says you hypocrites Return to love. And I was like, God, is it really that easy? Like, are you kidding me? Like, give me a list of things to do, please. Give me a formula. Give me a bunch of books to read. Like, give me something. But no, 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 it's like, just come to me. Just come to me. So it says in... 1 John chapter 5 verse 3 for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome so I'm very convinced church that if you're a Christian and, and you're feeling just life is absolutely miserable you might be doing it wrong Now, I'm not saying life is always easy. I'm not saying there will never be any tears. He never says that. But he says in the midst of the pain, I can give you rest. I can give you joy. And it doesn't mean life is always happy and good. But it does mean that in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of the situation, in the midst of whatever you're carrying, go back to love because it all started with him loving us. And therefore, man, that's something to get excited about. That's something to celebrate. That's something to have joy on. And he says in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm not saying he wants to make you rich. I'm not saying he wants to make all of your relationships easy, that you're gonna be popular and have a bunch of followers on InstaFace or whatever. I'm not saying, that. that's not what he's saying. The guys who wrote these scriptures were guys who were in constant pain. The guy, listen, when he said, you make known to me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore, he wasn't experiencing a lot of pleasures in that moment worldly but it was in him. The disciples, for goodness sake, man, they would get beaten and they would walk out like, oh, praise Jesus, this is a great day. What? Was it great? No, but God was. Return to love. So church, let us not just do all of the things, but let us do all of the things because we're madly in love with the one who loved us first. First. And then when we do those things, those things aren't a pain. Those things aren't a burden. Those things, man, man, they're a joy. They're a happiness. Man, man, there's pleasure in it. Even working with that grumpy guy at work, man, there's pleasure because God loved me. He loves me. And he's giving me love for others. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. Would you stand? Let's worship together as we close out the service today. Let's sing this last song. And as we do so, return to love. Lay it down at his feet and return to love. Come on, let's worship him.
1: I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motion. I'm sorry. I just sing another song Take me back to where we stand. I open up my heart to God. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. Just sing another song, take me back to where we started I open up my heart, to you. Verse two. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot. You're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. When I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry. I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started.
0: I that's our prayer. God, we just come to you today and we repent for abandoning love. And we come back today and we ask the Holy Spirit of God, let our motive in everything that we do, let it come from a position of love. And we repent, God. We're sorry. We recognize, Lord, that we're not good at it. But we thank you today that you are. And so let us continually to be refreshed in your love to continually go back to you, go back to your love so that we can love not only you, but those around us. And we ask today, Lord, that we would be known by our love. Now as in John 13, 34, you said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. God, let people know who we are by the love in our hearts. We thank you for it. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, can't wait to see you next week. Join us for the baptism. God bless you guys.